episode 37 of the Bearded Carcast. They didn't say we'd make it through 36, Dave, but here we are at 37. Mike Pacheco with Dave Freeman. Welcome to the Bearded Carcast. It's almost time for the fall television season to begin, or I guess it, it has, no, it has. It has yeah. begun. But our season just continues. It's unclear when our season starts and ends. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about this coming down here today that uh, probably end of October is probably going to wind up season one of the Bearded Carcast. So if you want to be a part of season two yeah, of the Bearded yeah, Carcast. Get lined up right now. Yeah, get, get lined up. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com or on social media. And, you know, are, are, are there great changes coming? Do, do you think we're going to be renewed for a second season? Well, we've already been renewed for a second season. Oh, that's great news. Well, we renewed ourselves. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the sponsors got behind us. Yeah, yeah. The sponsors, the networks, the uh, the uh, thirty people that listen to us on a weekly yeah. basis. They they demand the bearded car. We must have more of those guys. <laughs> so there's more baseball than we expected. Yeah. There are two yes, games there taking place today: the Dodgers and Rockies, and the Brewers and Cubs playing game 163. We haven't talked a ton about baseball, but this is when it actually begins to get exciting. And the NFL weekend just ended, and we're certainly going to talk the majority on the podcast about the NFL. But I think something's going to happen Wednesday night that no one is aware of, and it's going to be the storyline of baseball for the next week or so. If it works, it's going to become a big thing. And if it doesn't work, it's going to be laughed at and mocked. But the A's are going to play a playoff game Wednesday, and they're not going to start a starting pitcher. Right. They're going to use a bullpen day, which is almost unheard of. Right. I mean, like, but like they have starting pitchers, Trevor Cahill, who's been great at home this year, but they're playing on the road. And Mike Fires, who's been terrific since coming over from Detroit, but it's a fly ball pitcher pitching at Yankee Stadium. They've got Brett Anderson, who's kind of so-so, and Edwin Jackson, who's played for 13 major league teams. But instead of those guys, they are going to start Liam Hendricks on Wednesday at Yankee Stadium, a guy that was designated for assignment in the middle of the summer. But that's also a role that he has been in uh, down the stretch. Yeah, he's done Uh, it six times, and he hasn't given up any runs in the first inning of games. But then it doesn't appear that they're going to put in a starter second. They are going to go with more relievers. It's essentially going to be set-up man, set-up man, set-up man, situational lefty, set-up man, Closer and wouldn't it be funny if they went setup man, setup man, setup man, closer, then starter. It, I mean, <laughs> well, if they go extra innings, they might have to. And do they that. could run out of guys. Yeah. I mean, at some point, whether they're ahead or behind, yeah. Blake Trinan, who's a borderline Cy Young candidate, is going to come into the game and they're going to say, Blake, we need you to get as many outs as you possibly can. And if that happens in the sixth or the seventh inning, he may not make it through to the ninth inning. Well, and it's interesting too when you look at the Yankees lineup. Uh, to try and put that experiment through them. I mean, I guess the thinking is if, if you're not seeing the same pitcher, maybe you're not going to get comfortable as a hitter. So that's going to be awfully – that's going to be one of those things – I think you're right, Dave. That's going to be one of those things where if it works, okay, maybe some teams will think about doing that in the future in the playoffs. You know, we've seen obviously the, the Rays and other teams have, have done that throughout the year. Uh, but if it fails miserably, I think the the traditional baseball people – Yeah, they'll just say, oh, it's, you know, Moneyball, it's this, it's that. Right, and then if the A's were to win, and they're going to be a huge underdog in the game, but if they were to win, they would advance to play the Red Sox at Fenway. And again, you can't really pitch Mike Fires. I guess you can, but yeah. the Red Sox certainly can hit home runs. You're going to wait and pitch Cahill at home. Like, it could be something along the lines of Fires in game one, bullpen game in game yeah. two, 
Cahill in game three. And I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to pitch Jackson or, or Anderson. Remember, the A's have had 12 pitchers go on the disabled list this year. So, I mean, it's just a smorgasbord of, wow, we're, we're actually doing this. They won 97 games in the playoffs, yeah. and, and here they are. I think the Dodgers, by the way, made an enormous mistake Saturday. The The Dodgers were in a situation where they, they need wins. They needed to clinch a yeah. playoff spot. They were trying to avoid today's. Uh, play, playing, playing game, game essentially, but th- but that actually ended up being a good thing because the Rockies. Well, they're already in. It's just determining whether you're the wild card or whether you're the the division. Right, winner. and you want to play in the five game series as yep. opposed to the one game playoff. But but the Dodgers up ten to five in the ninth inning on Saturday put in Kenley Jansen, knowing that they were going to have a game that they needed on Sunday. Maybe a game they needed on Monday, possibly another game they needed on Tuesday, and you're putting maybe your your best pitcher other than Clayton Kershaw into the game, and you know someone else should have been able to close that out. And we'll see what sort of tread on the tires he has left. Now they got lucky and they had a blowout win yesterday, so he got yesterday off. Yeah. But I, I think that was. Uh, a little bit over-aggressive by Dave Roberts. And and this is the time of year. Baseball is easy to blow off during the entire season. Yeah. They play 162 games, and that means every game has the exact same meaning, one out of 162. But now you get into the matchups, and it, it really has a lot of strategy and a lot of drama. Well, and this really is, you know, when, when Bud Sealing before him and now uh, Rob Manford, you know, they, they want to see a lot of teams, a lot of participation. This is the first time... Since 1980, that there's been a uh, any division NL uh, any NL division tiebreaker. Now you have two of them. Yeah. And of course now with the wild card, now both. Of, could you imagine if the wild cards were a tie? That would have been a complete mess. Yeah, but I think it's great, and I hated the idea of the wild card when it came in. And you know, baseball's played in series, and it's this one game. But you've rewarded division champions. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. And you've said to wild card teams, okay, you made the playoffs, but you're not equal to these teams that won the division. Have at it one game, win and you're in, lose and you're out. It reminds me a little bit of not the NCAA tournament where the two 16 seeds play, right. but where those two 11 seeds or two 12 seeds play. You're saying your number 65 and 66 into the bracket and you're going to get into the tournament but in order to get out of Dayton, Ohio, you're going to have to beat a team roughly the same as you. It it really makes the game incredibly important. There's so much strategy. The A's lost that game three years ago in Kansas City with John Lester on the mound and, and it was devastating for an A's fan but the drama and the excitement of it was unparalleled. It was phenomenal. Yeah, and it's a new season. The, the Cubs and the uh, Brewers at Wrigley Field, this will be the, the first playoff game. That's actually underway as we speak about it right now. And what's interesting, Jose Quintana, who uh, the, the Cubs got in a deal with the White Sox last year, uh, which actually brought Eloy Jimenez over. So it was a, maybe a good trade for both teams. But he's 4-1 versus Milwaukee this year, 6-2 and two against the Brewers all I time. think the fascinating part is, deciding who to pitch today, knowing you might have a do-or-die game tomorrow. Like, today's game, both teams are going to the playoffs. So it is very important to try to get into that five-game series as opposed to the one. 
But if you lose today, tomorrow's game is yeah. you lose and the season's over. Yeah, and Julius Chassin is 1-5 uh, career at Wrigley with a 3.48 ERA. And, and apparently the decision came down to Chassin or Bullpen. Yeah. Th- those were those the, are the two choices. Yeah, very interesting. Well, and it's interesting uh, for Charlotte Knights fans. Tyler Saladino is uh, on the uh, on the Brewers squad. So there's, a I guess, a local rooting interest if you're a if you're a Knights fan. Let's take a quick uh, T.O. here. Uh, when we come back, let's get into uh, all the action that happened over the weekend, NFL football. I know uh, a lot of exciting games yesterday. And, you know, college setting up uh, some interesting games coming up this week as well. So more to come here. Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. Dave Friedman here as well. You can email us, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. No political stuff, though. Just just keep it to sports. Oh, send whatever you want to send. Send those to at Darren Gant. Gant. <laughs> at Bearded Carcast is how you follow us on Twitter. Bearded Carcast, episode 37 with Dave Friedman. I am Mike Pacheco. You can get involved at BeardedCarcastOutlook.com and at BeardedCarcast on Twitter is how you follow along on social media. Also on Instagram, although we haven't been as active. We need to get uh, some uh, gourmet Swiss apples on the Instagram account. Like I said, we need a Bearded Carcast intern for the second season. We're still about a month away from the second season. The internship program, we need to get it moving. Now, um, I did tweet you this on Deadspin. I forget who it was. Was it a football coach who, like, gobbled an apple in, like, 90 seconds? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I drove to Baltimore over the weekend because Johnson C. Smith played at Lincoln University of Pennsylvania, a 50-13 to win for the Golden Bulls, and... It's a seven-hour drive. Yeah. It's a it's a hefty drive. And I knew I was going both ways over a course of a couple of days, few days. And, and I packed, I think, about 15 right. apples. I got home late last night. I had two apples left. Yeah. So that was, that was about right. So did you, like, power one down in 90 seconds? You know, again, I think I said to this to you on Twitter— Apples come in a lot of shapes right. and sizes. If you get a smaller apple, yeah, you that's can not that eat hard. it in yeah. a minute, minute right. and a half. I don't think it's a big right. deal. No, but if you get like a huge golden delicious. Yeah, it's going to take a while. Yeah. It's going to take a while. <laughs> All right, so let's start with um, let's start with the games that you, you looked at this that we looked at this week and that you picked and what uh, what you liked, what you didn't like, and what uh, what surprised you. You know, it seems like early in every year we get excited about someone, maybe it's the Rams this year, I thought they were phenomenal on Thursday night against Minnesota, or tonight Kansas City plays, I think they're the other team people are really excited about, and justifiably so. But the more games I watched yesterday, and so many of them went down to the wire, wire, the more I felt like we're back to where we end up seemingly every year. There are a whole bunch of teams that are roughly the same. Mm-hmm. There are three and one teams that are about as good as one and three teams and so on and so forth. I mean, we saw Buffalo a few weeks ago beat Minnesota, and then we saw the Rams beat Minnesota. Minnesota plays Philly this week. They could be like one, three, and one. And I still think if they were to play a three and one Dolphins team or a two and two Bucks team, they would be a prohibitive favorite. I, I'm just I'm not sure that the the standings right now are telling the entire picture. Well, eight of the fifteen games, and make that fourteen because one game remaining tonight 
uh, a touchdown or less, and yet a couple of overtime games. Um, and some interesting late-game decisions in uh, in some of these games. And I think if you're Cleveland, I think the Browns are going to be better than people maybe expected out of the gate. Now, they had they did lose, but uh, you know, there were two controversial calls in that game. One was a fumble that uh, probably should have allowed the Bengals to – or the Bengals, the Browns to score a touchdown. Martavius Bryant also dropped a 70-yard touchdown yeah. for the Raiders. I mean, I thought both of those teams did more to lose the game yeah. than to win the game. And I think that's what happens when two – kind of so-so, mediocre, average-at-best teams get together. But, I mean, the Steelers are 1-2-1. One, and one. Mm-hmm. That's a team a lot of people thought was going to be pretty good this year. The Vikings are 1-2-1. and one. The Falcons are 1-3. and three. I, I mean, if you asked me, is one of those teams going to make the playoffs— yeah, I think so. Well, and the Falcons, and this is you know going back to the old Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. So let's put that in uh, in in the record in the congressional record, so ordered. Uh, but I think a lot of people have gotten their uh, parliamentary uh, cues down over the last couple <laughs> of weeks. But uh, I mean, I think their defense was was is starting to improve, but it's still not where they want it to be. They've had a bunch of injuries on that defense. Their defense looks horrible. Yeah. But defense in the NFL has kind of gone away altogether. I mean, is there a good team in the league, a team that you think is, you know, a, a Super Bowl-type contender that also has a very good defense? I mean, all of the good teams have offenses, and some of them have capable or average defenses. But even going into the year, we thought the Rams were going to have a mm-hmm. really good defense. Their defense has been, I, I think, kind of so-so. Right, and you know, New England, we always know offensively they're going to be there. I think the one interesting theme against the, the Dolphins was I watched that how whole dominant the, the Patriots were in that game on both sides of the ball. I watched that whole game Why did yesterday. They- I don't think Tom Brady is playing very well. They won the game, yeah. and they won convincingly, and that's the 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 whole goal. You you want to win. They're two and two. They're going to win the AFC East. They're going to be in the playoffs. Maybe they're going to play home. But they games. also had a, that was a big running game. That wasn't a passing game. That, that, that was, they came out and ran yeah, the ball because yep. the Dolphins have a good secondary and can't stop the run. They have the best coaching staff in the league, and it's not close. But if you watch Tom Brady play week in and week out, and now maybe he's going to put it together, he gets Julian Edelman back this week, maybe the offensive line improves, yada, yada, yada. Well, and he's starting to get familiar, more familiar with Patterson, and, and of course Josh Gordon just played one game. No question. But I don't think you can watch the NFL at this stage and say, yeah, I'd rather have him than Jared Goff, for example. Mm. Jared Goff is just playing at a higher level right now, and I think you could say that for probably six or eight or ten different quarterbacks. Andy Dalton is playing better than Tom Brady right now. Joe Flacco is playing better than Tom Brady right now. It's four games into the year. Sure. That doesn't really matter, but I think if you're going to be critical of the Patriots, and I think it's justifiable to be that way because, A, I I don't think they have the immense talent that they've had in the past, and they're certainly going to get better, and they're getting more talent, but I'm watching him miss throws. I I, I don't love what I see. I thought something similar watching the Colts yesterday. They put up a zillion points. They took a big gamble at the end of the game. Fantastic. But it still doesn't look to me like consistently Andrew Luck wants to throw the ball more than about 30 or 40 yards down the field. He's 
accurate and he's capable. But when he has to throw the ball deep, and he did a couple times yesterday, he really has to wind up and get some momentum behind yeah. it. He's not flinging the ball the way I remember him doing it before the surgery. Yeah, and he's still, you know, I think he's still not 100% from there. At least I test, he's not 100, still 100% from that, right? Um, what else? I mean, I thought um, maybe not interesting, but Buffalo is just a, a dumpster fire now. I mean, we kind of knew that coming in. Green Bay gets another big win. You know, I, but Buffalo is interesting because two weeks ago they had that one outlier game that you're just like, hold on, they, they, they beat Minnesota? Yeah. What do you mean? In that game, Josh Allen looked really good. This week... Josh Allen was a train wreck. Yeah. Next week, Josh Allen is going to make his first start at home. The likelihood is he's somewhere in between. So while Buffalo is one of the worst teams in the league, maybe the worst team in the league, at least they have a guy who is enormous with a huge arm, who's crazy athletic. And as a fan, you can go, we're going to have a bad year, but we're going to get to see this guy play 14 times and determine whether he is a major piece of our future. Look at Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. He was horrible for most of last year and the beginning of this year. And yesterday he had one of the great quarterbacking performances in Bears history. There is an excitement in having a young quarterback. Well, and you can only get so so much better just by practicing and being a second-team rep guy. I mean, eventually you have to get in there and get the reps, and that's how you learn to, to be in, you know, a starting NFL quarterback. And Trubisky... Um, look great, 19-26, what, 354 yards, six touchdowns, so, no interceptions. I'm so excited to bet against them. They are the most inflated 3-1 yeah. team. I don't think they've played well. Trubisky's played one good game. Yeah. I think they're the third best team in that division, and I think when yeah. they start playing the Packers and Vikings, they, they, they're going to they're gonna really feel it. I, 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 I now, love... now you've, you've seen their running back, right, Tariq Cohen, that played at well, NCAT? One of the two running backs. No, but didn't, he, didn't you get Johnson C. Smith? play them did you guys ever play a and t i don't think so okay i don't i i don't i don't believe so there is a guy that uh played in johnson c smith's league uh trenton cannon a running back who's playing for the jets this mm. year which is pretty good for playing that small level and he's playing he's been active yeah each week so not just on the on the practice squad um my picks were uh Solid this week, three, two, and one against the spread for the bulk of them, and one and zero oh for my my primary picks. Yeah. So two and two so far on those primary picks. And, and if you're betting with me, you're winning money. Nine, seven, and one overall. Um, are there any matchups next week that you are particularly interested in? I've taken a look at the spreads. It's obviously very early. I like the Broncos a little bit tonight on Monday Night Football, but uh, I think I've got it down to one pick for. For next week, I, I considered uh, I considered a few, but uh, I think I've got it down to one. Is there, is there anyone, any game, not necessarily from a gambling standpoint, but anything you're particularly interested in? Well, the one game that uh, it has local interest, obviously, is you know Panthers off the bye week taking on the Giants. So there's the boy, have the Giants been bad? They've been bad. But the reason why, so the storylines for me immediately for this game are really more Panther centric, if you will. Um, to some extent, you know, Dave Gettleman, the old general manager, you know, so it's the kind of a reunion of, of sorts for him. Uh, it'll be the uh, the fans and, of course, NFL fans around the league, their first chance to see Eric Reed back in uniform. He'll be, um, Ron Rivera said yesterday, is the grand marshal at the at the race, the Roval race, which was completely nuts, by the way. It was 
probably everything they wanted and more. But um, the uh, to to see what Eric Reed is going to be able to do, and you know, I think just what it signals to the to the Panthers uh, and not only the team but the fans is just how committed the new owner is to to wanting to put together a winner. And and you know, when they everything that uh, we've heard was that everything external did not play a factor. The, uh, the stance on the anthem, or, or kneeling on the anthem, I should say. And then um, also the the uh, the lawsuit against the league, that played zero. It was a complete football decision. They needed a safety. and So I th- for me, how the Panthers are going to play out of the bye week, um, there looks like they may also get Curtis Samuel back. He's going to be practicing this week, so that'll be kind of a later-in-the-week type decision. So I think some- the Giants continue to have – one of the best storylines from the entire offseason. I still think they messed up in the draft because you're going to watch the decaying carcass of Eli Manning play this week. And as good as Saquon Barkley may be, when you watch that game, ask yourself, when Eli Manning is gone, what is the secession plan? And is Saquon Barkley good enough that you're going to be able to play a placeholder at quarterback and succeed. It seems to me that the future of the Giants is fairly bleak, and it's because Eli Manning doesn't have a lot left, and they don't have the quarterback of the future. I recognize at number two, they couldn't have gotten Baker Mayfield, who I told you Mm -hmm. I didn't think was going to be great against the Raiders, certainly had his team in position to win, but did personally account for four turnovers in that game. I I, I think that was a difference maker, but they could have had Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold or one of those top type quarterbacks. So, you know, I I don't know that Darnold or Rosen have been great thus far. And there were other options as well. The the guy that went to to Buffalo. But, um, you know, we'll see. I think when you watch the Giants, in a lot of ways, you can go back and think about that draft and think about how you go about it. Remember, I thought the Browns should take two quarterbacks and their GM having taken Patrick Mahomes in (laughs) Kansas City and then taken Mayfield in Cleveland looks like he can evaluate some quarterbacks so so his his margin of error taking only one was smaller but it it, it looks like at this point that he hit a home run Mayfield has looked really good even though he lost the last game but that doesn't really matter I mean in the grand scheme of things he looks like a guy to build for the Giants don't have a quarterback of the future that's a problem that is a big problem now speaking of franchise quarterbacks, two of the guys we talked about earlier, uh, you thinking that uh, maybe Tom Brady's not up to where he's been in years past, and Andrew Luck, they'll be squaring off on Thursday night, and I think that'll be a good test. Short week for both guys, uh, and to see... um, Colts are getting 10 points, and I know that the Patriots just covered a big spread over a touchdown against the Dolphins, but again... I'm not sure that this particular Patriots team should be laying that many points to anyone. Yeah. The Colts have been competitive. Not great, not bad, but uh, yeah, that, that that's a pretty good Thursday night game. Not as good as last week's, but a, but a pretty pretty decent game. I mean, it's a game, again, the Patriots need it. You, you don't want to go two and three. You get to three and two, you start beating some division teams, and, and you're rolling. You go two and three, probably in that division it doesn't matter. You already have the win over the Dolphins, but, you know, it's going to be hard to to gain home field advantage when you're playing that uphill. And Philadelphia is only a three-point favorite right now against Minnesota, so that should be a, a, an interesting game. That'll be a late, like a 425 game on Sunday. That's a really good game. Those two teams are very good. The, the one play I'm going to make this week is uh, Baltimore at Cleveland. I, I'm just not buying Cleveland yet. Yeah. I did. I mean, they covered the first two weeks. They didn't cover the next two weeks. Baltimore has looked 
very good. They're very, very well coached. Flacco's arm is finally right. He's able to throw the ball deep. John Brown is an over-the-top threat that has been terrific. Um, I think they're going to stop playing Collins, who keeps fumbling. Mm. I mean, they should have been up 21-0 yeah. yesterday. I think Baltimore laying less than a field goal at Cleveland. Um, I just think they're, they're the better team, and I don't think it's particularly close. Dave's lock of the week? That's it. <laughs> So 37 of the Bearded Carcast. It's not a whiteout here uh, as we tape the Bearded Carcast, but we're going to talk about a game that uh, really went down to the wire. It was a fun game, Penn State and Ohio State. I am Mike Pacheco. Dave Friedman, you are listening to the Bearded Carcast. And what can you say about uh, Trace McSorley? Uh, 16 of 32, 286 yards passing, had a uh, couple of touchdowns, and then 25 of 195 on the rushing side of things. A thoroughly entertaining game, and... You know, unfortunately for Penn State, uh, you know, maybe some late game decisions that uh, you'd like to have back. But Ohio State, I thought it was right early they to be. game problems that lost the game for Penn State. They were in the red zone three times early on and settled for two field goals. Yeah. I mean, th- that is a recipe for disaster. Penn State was the better team. They were the better team almost the whole way. And they just didn't get there. It's interesting. Those teams have now played three straight years, and the team that has looked to be the better team has lost yeah. in all three years. Yeah. You mentioned McSorley, though. I think he's fascinating. He is the opposite of all of the big, hyped quarterbacks that everyone gets excited about each year. He's a senior, mm-hmm. and he's more of a gamer than anything else. He doesn't have an enormous arm, but he just comes up big consistently. And for James Franklin not to trust him on the final play of the game is crazy. But he reminds me a little bit, and this sounds just absolutely ridiculous, he reminds me a little bit of Tom Brady in the sense that no one ever loved Tom Brady Mm -hmm. in college, but he gutted out and won games. And there are all the stories about the combine. He was slow and he couldn't lift any weights. And obviously he didn't get picked in the first or second round. McSorley has kind of that same sort of feel as a guy. You just want him on your side. Well, and speaking of the better side winning, I mean, that goes right into the Ryder Cup because the USA team with, you know, all the big names, uh, couldn't get it done, and Ian Poulter continues to be just a, a Ryder Cup killer against the U.S. Yeah, it's such a unique event. I mean, I think we all poo-poo the spring training games that don't matter yeah. or the Pro Bowl, which doesn't matter, and, and there are people that bet on it, and there are people that watch it. They get good TV ratings, but everyone understands how unserious they are, whereas the Ryder Cup, which is an exhibition, is like the fifth most important golfing event of the year, and and maybe more than that. And obviously they don't play it every year, but people get so into an event that doesn't matter. And I just, I don't get it. The crowds are phenomenal. The players are so fired up about it. Like, if the players were that fired up about the fifth most important tournament of the year, like they could get more FedEx points and they could win a bunch of money and they could be so competitive. Like, I, I guess it's the the uh, patriotism that makes it cool. But I, I don't I've never got it, Mike. I don't understand. Well, the the meaning comes in 
to what you just talked about. It's the relationship that the fans have with the event, that the players have with the event. You know, they asked, uh, I think it was Jim Gray who asked Ian Poulter immediately after they won uh, last night, or yesterday afternoon for us, it was nighttime, in, or get to be nighttime in France, but just, you know, why is this so important to him? And, and he, he, Ian Poulter basically said it was, you know, the the weight of what they're playing for. But they're not playing for anything. But, but in their minds, they're playing for their continent. They're, they're playing for Europe. There's a lot of pride uh, on both sides. For the United States, you know, you're representing the red, white, and blue. I mean, I mean to me, you... it would seem like it would be more weighted towards the U.S. that you'd be thinking that you're playing more for something because you're playing for one country. But I guess, you know, that regional sense of Europe, it, it, for some reason, for those guys born in Europe, it's important to them. I mean, like, we can recite the number of majors that people win, and that's kind of how you assess these guys. What their Ryder Cup records are, I think Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are under 500 career in the Ryder Cup, and I, I don't think that is a black eye on their legacy at all, whereas Dan Marino, who doesn't win a Super Bowl, you go, oh, yeah, but there's that there's that one thing about him. I mean, you got to win major championships to justify being one of the great golfers of all time. You, you're one of the great Ryder Cup players of all time, and that's kind of neat, but I don't think it's nearly as significant. No, but it is to the players and it is to die well, and the golf crowds fans. are incredible. They're so into it. I mean, it, it, it's it's... I can't think of another event that means less, that has such a cool atmosphere, a cool vibe, and everyone is just so all in on it. But I think they build on each other, too, though. I think the sense that, you know, what happened at the last, and I think the fact that it's every two years, so it's not overdone, but it, it, it's just, it's different. I mean, you don't see, for the most part, you don't see team golf. Right, well, I mean, it I mean, is it is different, and it is cool. But if I said to you, Mike, here, I got two tickets for you. In, in this pocket, I've got tickets to the PGA, and in this tickets, I this pocket, I got tickets to the Ryder Cup. Which one are you taking? Where's the Ryder Cup? If it's Kiowa, I'm going. Well, well, let's say they're both in the same place. No, I, I, was being, the... I was being somewhat facetious. I would, uh, because I've never, I've been to a PGA, I haven't been to a Ryder Cup. I'd probably want to see the Ryder Cup. Just because it's different. Yeah. Because it's something different. I mean, I've been to all four major golf tournaments, and I, I, I like the fact that I've been to them and I've enjoyed them. Uh, so I'd probably go to a Ryder Cup just because I haven't either. But uh, it's not, it's not a bucket list item for me. I know people that think it's, it's the most important thing to them. I mean, but don't forget Dave, there's this there is a tie-in when you're when you're playing for something greater than yourself. And even though, you know, we might poo-poo the European guys playing for Europe, but it means something to them. We know what it means to to American players to play for Team USA. So I think it's that concept of playing something for greater than yourself and being part of a team. And that, that that's something that and I think maybe that's why some of the individual golfers stars aren't necessarily good in the team format because they're good on their own, but maybe throwing in that team component throws a, a, a monkey in the wrench. I don't know. Tell you what, you want a monkey wrench, there's a big pay-per-view coming up around Thanksgiving between two yeah. guys that aren't playing great right now. Well, Tiger obviously was pretty good the last few weeks, wasn't very good in the Ryder Cup. Phil Mickelson looks like his game is lost right now. I mean, th that really could go up in flames. Pay-per-view if one of the guys is playing very bad golf. It's the, the risk you run. But, you know, their money's going to come on the front end of that, not on the back end of it. So, I mean, now now maybe the— I would think that their money is somewhat dependent on how many people buy it, no? No, but that's what I mean. Like, they could 
it's like the lure of watching this isn't how they're playing right now. It's 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 Mickelson versus Tiger Woods. I mean, people aren't going to – I mean, some may, but most people I think are going to watch it because it's that combination. I don't think people are going to sit back and go, well, Tiger's last 10 matches, he did this. Like, I don't think people well, are analyzing I, you, that when they're making that decision. You're probably right about that. But if those two guys get out on the course and you've spent whatever it is, 20 bucks to watch it, right. and Phil Mickelson's hitting the ball in the woods all over the place and it's not competitive yeah. – I, I well, think there are going to be a but, lot of unsatisfied but that, customers. But that, I mean, that, but that's the risk. I mean, it, it's a risky venture. But you know, like I said, it, I just don't get the pay-per-view format. I think you sell it to NBC or ABC or or Fox or whoever, and, and you take the money that way. I just, I just don't think they're going to get that many buys. It's two guys walking a course for five or six hours. I, I, I don't. I I got a bad feeling about where that's going. I think it's a one and done. I don't think there's going to be a, uh, a a second installment. But think about this: if if they both net, say, five six million dollars a piece, and maybe they won't do that business. Well, but, may- but let's say they do. I mean, if they if they net anything close to ten million dollars each, who cares? I mean, I'm not to say they don't care because they would obviously love this to be a three or four or five year, you know, maybe further type endeavor, or maybe it's a thing where. You know, one year it's those two, and maybe it's you know Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth. You know, well, who would buy that? Golf fans would buy that, I think. I don't think. I so. do. I, I mean, I, I think it's Tiger, and Tiger's the biggest name in sports, and people want. No, that's two separate things. I now I would, I agree with what you're saying. I'm not saying people would buy Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy as much as they would Tiger doing anything, but I think there would be a niche for that. I just don't think there's. This will bring in people that aren't necessarily golf fans. Because it's Tiger? Because it's Tiger. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Tiger is a star of stars. I just don't think there are a lot of sporting events that on pay-per-view work. I mean, I think the Super Bowl would work on pay-per-view. I, I don't know. Like, if you said today's but Brewers what's the, what's Cubs the... game was only on pay-per-view, I don't think that many people are watching. Maybe but, I'm wrong. No, but from what I remember of the, uh, the original press release and the stories that came out afterwards, aren't they going to do, like, side bats? And yeah. It's gonna be, so I think it's – now, what's interesting is – what are they going to fill with as they're walking up to their shots? Because it's not like you can go, hey, let's go over to 13 and I see. I mean, they're going to mic them and the yeah. caddies and everything. I think it's going to be a lot of right. downtime. Are they going to walk or are they going to do carts? I assume they're going to walk. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're getting kind of old. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, no I, they're walking. I, I was just know. making a joke. It's not, like, uh, it's not like we're going out to the uh, public muni and uh, – I think they should add some more players. I think John Daly should be out there for entertainment value. Absolutely, I think that. Now you you throw in John Daly in that mix. John Daly, because it's pay per view. Yeah. There's no FCC rules. Right. I, I think John Daly yeah. with an open mic right. and can say anything he wants and can drink on the course. Yeah. Now, now we've got entertaining content. Maybe Brett Kavanaugh. Maybe maybe <laughs> more entertaining than the bearded carcast. All right, well, you got anything else or is that that's it? That's it. All right, that's it. We got a meeting we got to go to anyway. So hope you enjoyed episode 37 of the Beer- Bearded Carcast. The season's winding down, so make sure you uh, stay tuned, and then uh, we'll get things, you know, we're going to keep going up until the, uh, we're not like a TV show. We're going to take 26. We already did that. We, we already took our 26 weeks off. But uh, And then, of course, with basketball season coming up. So if there's anything, uh, if you look at the winter basketball schedule, you know that's where we're going to be traveling, and we'll do a lot of the uh, on-the-road Bearded car casts again. So if there's anything in particular you want us to see or do or go eat or whatever, just give us a shout out uh, at Bearded Car Cast on Twitter, and you can email the show beardedcarcast at outlook.com.